0: If
1: Merry Christmas to
2: to, to you guys are here. (laughs) Wow, cameras are rolling and everything. Well, welcome to Life Church Livonia. My name's Alex. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Here we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we do take Jesus seriously. And I just want to say welcome. If you have been watching us but haven't reached out, Uh, Filled out a digital connection card giving us any kind of information to get a hold of you I want to encourage you to do so. I'm so happy you're checking us out on this stream But this isn't an event church is this beloved community of Jesus and that we want to do real life together Because we are real people who encounter a real God and experience real life real life change and real life together So we want to invite you into that. So if this is your first time here I just want to say welcome now I want to say Merry Christmas Eve. Oh, that's a good slide. That's a good slide. <sighs> no big deal. Anyway, Merry Christmas Eve. We are so thankful to be together. I want to let you know we will not be having service on Sunday. This Sunday, the 26th. We really value healthy rhythms. We really value at Life Church Livonia a slowed down life, where being with Jesus, a life giving, a um, intimate relationship with Jesus, is our highest priority. And so we want to give space for that space for family for friends for slowing down so there'll be no service the 26th but this service will restream on the 26th so i want to invite you to that but if you are new here and you're looking for some ways to get plugged in well i want to invite you to our new series we're starting a series on january 9th called the second act and in a two-act story act one is full of challenges Full of character flaws and full of partial victories or partial defeats. And a, a moment happens in the story that changes the acts from act one to act two, and in the second act, the characters of the story they face their flaws, they grow in their fears, and they experience true victory. And this is a beautiful metaphor for what God does and what he wants to do in this church in our world and in your own life. So I want to invite you and invite you to invite a friend to join us on January 9th for the beginning of this new series, The Second Act. Uh, Other ways you can get involved here at Life Church Livonia, I would highly recommend you head to our website here and you can click on the Get Involved button or you can go to our digital bulletin and click on the Get Connected button. But we want to get you involved in some kind of small group or in serving, just what you're doing life on life with real people who are trying to follow Jesus and the in and outs and the nuances, the struggles, the joys of life. And we want to be that community for you. So if you're new here, you're looking for a way to get deeper involved, I want to invite you to our next series. I want to invite you to serve somewhere if you're not serving anywhere already, because we have the need. And one of the things we like to say here at Life Church Livonia is Sundays are a family dinner. And sometimes when we serve, it's because we feel called by God into some sort of grander purpose. And sometimes the ways we serve on Sunday are just doing the dishes, setting the table, cooking the food so that we can gather together and have a family dinner as the people of God. So I wanna invite you into that. And then lastly, if you're not involved in a small group, please reach out to us at this Get Involved button on our website Or via the digital bulletin and we would love to get you into a small group as we head into this new year now alex senior already mentioned our giving and the push we're doing we're actively looking for a new facility we're hiring some new staff members upcoming and so our need right now as a church god is moving us forward and our financial need is greater because of that and we want to ask you to step up and step in with us as we give sacrificially to what god is doing here so i won't belabor that too long because alex senior just did but if you missed that, the link is in the description of this video and also in the comment section if you're on Facebook. But that being said, I just want us to take a moment to center our hearts, center our minds, and center ourselves, our whole being, on the gift of Jesus. on the gift of Jesus this Christmas Eve. And we're going to pray and enter into our service. So Lord, maker of all heaven and earth, God of the whole universe, the beginning and the end. Lord, we worship You. You are everything. And we're so grateful, Jesus, that You have seen fit to come in this vulnerable and low place as a baby on Christmas. And that You have seen fit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to save us from our sins that we might be in an everlasting relationship with You. We worship You and praise You for that. And we pray now that you would prepare our hearts and minds to receive your word as we hear the Christmas story. In the name of Jesus, amen. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria.
0: And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee in Judea. flocks at night.
1: An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people.
0: Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory, glory to, the, to God in the highest, and on earth peace to man on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see
3: this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger.
0: When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to
2: them. But Mary treasured up all these things and and pondered them in her heart. And shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
3: Hey, Life Church family, I'm so glad to be with you, and I'm so um, grateful to be celebrating Christmas with you. Um, And today's message is what do I do with Christmas? And I want you to think about that. Have you ever received a Christmas present and you opened it up and you're, you were like, what do I do with this? I remember uh, my grandmother got me one time. She got me uh, a shirt that was like uh, four years younger than I would have been wearing in middle school and four sizes too small. And I just thought, what do I do with this? Right. Uh, but everybody's received Christmas presents. Maybe they, they're not sure of and People um, often asked the same question when it comes to Christmas: What do I do with this? Uh, that we love the celebration, we love the traditions, but at the end of the day, we're like, well, "What do I do with this?" Uh, like these examples here, uh, I heard, uh, uh, I read about a young man who uh, received a ceramic jar for holding dog treats. He was 15 years old, except he'd been forced to give his dog away the week before, and they wrote, "I miss you, rascal." <laughs> Who gave me that gift? What do you do with that? Or this person who said, my grandma bought me an ornament with the name Eric on it. My name is Morgan. <laughs> and this was the creepy or weirdest one. Anyway, a lady wrote, for my first married Christmas, my brother-in-law gave me a fake cat turd with kitty litter and all with a note, welcome to the family. <laughs> what do you do with that, right? right? And today we're going to answer the question, what do you do with Christmas? Because we love it, but what do we do with it? How do we apply it? How do we understand Christmas and its interface with our life? And I imagine that this was in the hearts of the shepherds in Bethlehem. Didn't our team do a great job? Let's give it up for them. They, the way they told the Christmas story, we're going to go back through that. But the shepherds uh, were wondering, what do I do with this news that I've just received? And the beautiful thing in this passage is the shepherds responded and gave us a model for how you and I can respond to Christmas and answer the question, what do we do with Christmas? And as I shared last week, um, the shepherds, uh, uh, Christmas begins in a counterintuitive way, right? Because who received the invitation about the King of Kings coming into the world, the Savior of the world? Was it the emperors of the world? No. Was it the priests or the prophets? No. It was humble shepherds. And that should... um, Catch our attention because we're so used to the Christmas story, it doesn't shock us. But these were the lowest of the low, the least of the least. They were ranch hands who, whose bodies glistened with sweat, who had calluses on their hands, who had rough language. They were a rough crowd. They smelled of the field and of the, um, uh, the sheep. They were minimum wage earners and they were not admitted to most respectable establishments. Their names are nowhere recorded in the Bible, but their names were on the guest list to receive the Savior of the world when Jesus Christ was born. And it's it's powerful to think about that these simple men, these men of the fields, God's message first came to them. Think about this for a minute. I want you to think about this. Jesus never refers to himself as a priest or as a clergyman or as a bishop or as an elder. But Jesus loved to speak about himself as a shepherd. And when he looks out at the crowds of people in Galilee and, and they're struggling, he he, see, he sees them like lost sheep without a shepherd. People who are wandering and they don't know what their purpose in life is or how to flourish. And, and he has a burden for them. He told people repeatedly to... Um, uh, to, that he had come to this world so that he might regain or, or uh, gather the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said that he had sheep that were not of the pasture of Israel that would come into the flock, you and me. He considers his followers sheep. And in the gospel of John, we see Jesus saying these powerful words. He says, I am the good shepherd. And what does a good shepherd do? He says, a good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, sheep. And that is what he was going to do. This metaphor of shepherd is very powerful and poignant in the, in, this, uh, in the life and ministry of Jesus. And this is really important because at the time of Jesus, at the temple, there was a morning and evening sacrifice for sins. And so they had to have unblemished lambs. And so to see that that supply of unblemished lambs was always available, they, the temple um, leaders, kept flocks of sheep nearby the temple. And I know from history that these private sheep flocks were were, um, pastured near Bethlehem. So it's most likely that these shepherds who were outside on the hills of Bethlehem were actually in charge of the flocks from which the temple offerings would be chosen. William Barclay, our commentator, writes this, And it is a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus would be the once and for all sacrifice for our sins, and that's why he came. And so he had a burden for shepherds, and he had a burden for sheep, because he would be the lamb that would pay the price for our sins. And there's four ways that I want us to understand this message about this Savior that's coming to the world, four things we can do with this and apply it to our lives. And the first thing is we can receive this message. Look at what it says in Luke 2, 8, 9. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Just imagine the the wonder of that night in Bethlehem where the sky was dark, and probably the shepherds' moods were darker. And the next moment, an angel breaks through the heavens in in all glory, in in blazing light, and, and announces this message. And they were afraid, but they heard this message the angel brought. Look at what it says. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The shepherds, they received this news that the long-awaited Savior has finally been born. This deliverer that Israel was looking forward to, who had... Who had Free people from their sins and from oppression and from all the things that keep us enslaved. And I want you to think about the message that they heard. First of all, the message that they heard was a message of helplessness. What? Yeah, look at this. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around the fact that when Jesus came, He came as a helpless baby, helpless Savior. Uh, Now, I have a six-month-old granddaughter. (laughs) Her name is Nora. She's beautiful. And I want to tell you that this beautiful little girl is totally helpless. And a few months back, even more so than she is today. And only a few months ago, we would wrap her in a little blanket to protect her fragile limbs and to keep her warm. And for for the first few years of this little girl's life, can I I get a witness? Raise your hand. She is going to be totally helpless. And you cannot leave this baby alone because... They they could be hurt or, or, or suffer great harm. They can't feed themselves. They can't clothe themselves. They can't clean themselves. They're completely dependent on someone else to keep alive. And listen to me. This baby, who is the savior of the world, was no different. He became completely like us. This is so important. He became completely helpless like us, relating to our helplessness and weakness. Do you need help today? Jesus became a helpless savior so that he might give us the help you and I need. And we need help from God to live the life he created us to live, to flourish and to be fruitful. He was a helpless savior and he was a humble savior. Look at what it says next. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Now, here's the problem with the Christmas story for us. We get so used to it, we, we start to glaze over. The manger it was so much a part of the story. We don't even pay attention to it. We never stop to realize this wasn't just a little box with hay and a blanket in it. This was a feeding trough where animals would eat grain and slobber and make a mess. It was gross. And it was in a barn, the humblest of all places. He was a humble savior. And he came in all humility. Look at what the apostle Paul reminds us of in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. I love this verse for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he came from the riches of heaven down to earth, yet for your sake he became poor. Why? So that through his poverty you might become rich. This is the great exchange. And I want us to see what a beautiful Savior we have and and how awesome this story, this truth is about Christmas. He became helpless so that we might have help. He became poor so that we might become rich, receive the riches of God's grace and goodness. At the heart of the Christmas message is this message of humility. And we need that today more than ever. Jesus shows that humility by becoming poor so that he could go to the cross as one of us, as one of us, who lived helplessly, who lived humbly. He was a working class person. He was not born into royalty. He did not have a silver spoon in his mouth. And he became one of us so that he could die in our place for our sins and that we might receive the riches of God's grace and forgiveness. One of my favorite acronyms for grace is G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. He came as a humble Savior. And we express our humility always, but in this season, by confessing our poverty and receiving him. When's the last time you confessed sin? When's the last time you repented and realized, I'm, I'm heading in my own self-willed direction. I'm proudly going forward, a- acting like I've got it all figured out and I'm right. And Jesus is like, why don't you confess a little bit more? Why don't you repent a little bit more? Jesus came in humility and it set the tone for his heart whole ministry. The entire life and message of Jesus was set by this uh, attitude of humility. God brought together this delegation of shepherds to be the first ones to see Him and worship Him. He was only a few moments old, but he would have liked the shepherds being there and I know because I've read the rest of the story. He was a teacher and he was someone who loved and cared for tax collectors and sinners and the least of these. And he always had time for the crowd and for the, the uh, last and the lost and the least. He was the one who said that if we do anything to one of the least of these sisters and brothers, we do it to him. He was a humble Savior. And he was also a heavenly savior. I want us to see this. The Bible says that night that the shepherds were out on the hillside and they saw the angels. And here's the message they heard. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Notice heaven twice, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, and glory to God in the highest heaven. Imagine with me for a minute again. Um, Suddenly the dark sky splits open and there's legions of angels. It says a great company of the heavenly host. Um, There's one place in scripture that describes the hosts of heaven um, gathering around the throne of God in a really specific way. And it's in Revelation. It says ten thousands upon ten thousands. Imagine that, how, how many angels there were heralding and proclaiming that the Savior had been born to these humble shepherds. Can you imagine that? Uh, not expecting it, that, uh, and yet all of a sudden, the sky's filled with blazing glory and singing and the praise of the coming deliverer. Here's the truth. The reason we're so filled with joy is because God has come down to us. Jesus came from heaven, to earth so that we might go from earth to heaven. Jesus became like us so that we could become like him. And this is really, really powerful. As I mentioned last week, every other religion says, here's how you climb up to God and earn his favor. And the truth is that it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And Christianity is about not us climbing up to God to earn his favor, but God coming down because we couldn't climb up. He came down to us. We don't get to heaven because we climb up to God. We get to heaven because God reached down to us, to you and to me. And it all started at this scene in Bethlehem. This is what makes it so powerful. Jesus came from heaven to earth, so that we could go from earth to heaven he became like us so we could become like him are you starting to see with me how great this savior is and this is just we're just glossing over big things but i want i want you just to pay attention to this that he brings help to us in our helplessness he brings um, riches to us in, in in uh our poverty and he brings heaven down to earth so that we can experience the life and flourishing of god now I mentioned here the four things we can do, right? We can receive this message. And that was, this is the big chunk. The next three points are going quick, right? The second thing is we, have, we can respond to it. The scripture says that the shepherds heard this message. They didn't just hear it. But when they heard it, they responded to it. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. They weren't theologians, they weren't students or scholars. They were simple men of the field. But when they heard that Jesus was born, the long-awaited Jewish Messiah had come. They left their fields and they went immediately to Bethlehem and check it out. And I want to tell you something that's really important, and this is a value for us at Life Church, Livonia and should be a value whenever the church gathers. Every time the message of Jesus Christ is shared and, and taught and preached, there ought to be an opportunity to respond. God calls us to action. It's not enough to hear the story and to take in the information or to just read about it in the Bible. We have to do what the shepherds did, which was they responded individually to what they heard. And if Jesus is the Savior, then it requires something from me and from you. It requires a response. What is God calling you to do today to respond to him and to respond to his message? If you and I are going to enter into his kingdom and enter into his life, we have to respond to him with repentance and asking for forgiveness and experience new life from Christ. Maybe God is calling you to respond to him in some other way today. They don't stop there, though. They 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 receive the message, they respond to it, and they retell it. Look at what it says. They retold the message they heard. In verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. After seeing Jesus, the shepherds left the manger and they went everywhere telling people about what they saw. They were witnesses about what they had seen and what they had experienced. Did you know, they said, have you heard? And the Messiah has been born. Let me tell you what that means. And they might have not have known very much about how to explain it. They they didn't know what we know today. They just knew God had invaded and broken in and the Messiah had come. But they knew in their hearts they'd seen the Son of God and it was written in their hearts. Wouldn't it be something for us as Christ followers if we were as excited about the birth of the Savior as the shepherds were and we talked about it? In fact, here's a challenge for us. Um, before the year ends, I, I just want you to just think about this. A lot of people sent out Christmas letters, and at this point, if you've done that, you probably did it. But what if you just said, hey, I just want to tell you what the Lord has done for me this year, that you were a witness to what God's goodness in your life, and you were to retell that. Hey, I want to tell you the greatest thing God did for me this year, ways God showed up in my life. Witnessing in the Bible is simply telling others what you have yourself have seen and experienced. Has God impacted your life? Has, have you experienced a refreshment? Have you seen answered prayer? Have you experienced new community? Have you experienced new ways God has uh, taught you things? Uh, this is part of what it means to be a witness that we retell it. And we're inviting some, I want to encourage you to invite someone in the next series, The Second Act. The second act is all in the book of Nehemiah. It's going to be a great series to invite a friend to because it's all about how God rebuilds broken lives and rebuilds broken walls at the same time. Nehemiah is about the restoration and the second opportunity. Israel's been devastated. God brings them back. The land is devastated. They've experienced great trauma. And now God's going to rebuild the city, rebuild the temple. But most of all, he's going to rebuild the soul of the people. I want to invite you to that. And finally... We can't just receive the message and respond to it and retell it. God calls us to rejoice in it. This is one of the reasons why we sing, that we worship. We sing such beautiful songs during this Christmas season. And that's based on this scripture, by the way. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word of God was fulfilled just as they had been told. The angels shared it with them. They saw it. And they verified that this was true. They worshiped God with their whole being. They sang. Do you know in the first two chapters of Luke, there are six songs. I'm not going to name them for you right now. We are going to sing one in a minute that uh, has um, part of this this chapter of Luke in it. Um, Hark the Herald. Those songs are all based on this passage of Scripture. Six songs. And one of the reasons why we sing is because um, when we experience the peace of God and the joy of God and the good things God has done with, we can't help but overflow and praise God and worship God with our voice, with our being, with our song. It should overflow out of our hearts, shouldn't it? The Christian community the, of Jesus followers who've experienced the forgiveness and touch of God are a singing community. And where in this world do you see much joy or singing? But this message should bring us some joy and some singing. We sing because we know Christ has come, and we know Christ lives in our hearts. That Christ is present in the midst of our community, and He is coming again. And we are we are His witnesses. We are advancing His kingdom in our time and in our place. Christmas is all when you have Christ in your heart, and when you know what Christmas is really all about. And Christmas is really all about Jesus not us. That's how we get off thinking the wrong things. We think Christmas is about us and our gifts and our time off and everything else. And we miss Christmas because it's not about us. It's about Him and this beautiful gift we have in this Savior. But when you realize what Christmas is all about, something changes inside of you. And you want to express your love and your worship and your gratitude to God. Do you know Him? Is He your Savior? He can be. And when you put your trust in Him, he forgives your sins and he will make you new. And he, will, and, and he promises that you and I will be with him for all eternity in his family. When you become a Christian, when you, you fulfill the very reason Jesus came, Jesus said this, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christmas is about Jesus coming to give his life as a ransom for us. The gospel of Christmas is amazing. But it's not just a story. It's a plan. This is God's plan for you and I, because this is how we have a life of flourishing. A life of flourishing begins when we receive this message in our hearts, when we respond to this message, when we retell this message, and we rejoice as worshipers, worshiping God and loving him. This is what you and I are to do with Christmas. Would you pray with me? And maybe you're here today and you're going, you know what? You mentioned that Jesus comes and helps us. Let me read one verse as we pray here from Hebrews 4. It says, Jesus came and he sympathizes with our weaknesses and he understands our, our struggles. And he's been tempted in every way we are, yet was without sin. And then it says in verse, uh, uh, Hebrews 4:16, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you in a time of need? You're experiencing financial need or emotional need or you're lonely or you're struggling. You don't have to do that alone. Jesus will be with you. Jesus can come in and bring new life and new comfort and new relationships and new perspective And if you need help right now, that Savior who came as a helpless baby can help you. And I want to just pray with you right now when you pray with me. Lord Jesus, I'm coming with burdens today that are just heavy on my heart. And you know what they are. And I want to share those with you right now. Maybe it's a financial burden or it's a relationship that's broken or there's conflict or strife. and, And Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to help me in my time of need. Your word says, Lord, that you are our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in time of need. Lord, you are the God who helps. And I'm asking for your help in, in these difficult areas of my life. I'm asking that you would show up and I'm casting my cares upon you because you care for me. And if you're here today and you want to really experience this new life from Jesus, or maybe you've been far from him, you're like, yeah, i I've, made a commitment to Jesus years ago, but I, I'm not, I haven't daily surrendered to him anytime recently. I want to give you an opportunity right now to just experience Christmas fresh. Will you pray with me right now and receive Christ? Lord Jesus, I want to be like the shepherds. I want to receive you into my life. I want to receive um, the, the, this message into my heart. And Lord Jesus, here's the message. The message I, I understand is you came to this earth out of your love for me. You died for my sins. You lived the life I should have lived and you died the death I should have died. And I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. I want to turn away from a a way of life that goes against you and goes against everything good. And I want to follow you and experience your newness and your strength. You're a good Savior. Help me. Lord, you're a humble Savior. Have mercy on me. Lord, you're a heavenly Savior. And I just pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on my heart and, and Lord, help me to uh, live as a member of your family. Lord, I'm praying that you would help me to walk with you and follow you. Help me to experience Christmas in my life in the deep and real way you intended me to. Because it's not about me, it's about you. And I want to focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed with me, I want to just encourage you to message us. And uh, we hope to see you soon. Stick around. We're going to sing a beautiful song now.
1: Side. Oh
2: Thank you everybody so much for being here this Christmas Eve. We are so grateful for you. We are so grateful that God has resurrected this church in this last year and a half, and that we are getting to have another Christmas Eve service to celebrate together. We want to wish you as the staff of Life Church, Livonia, Merry Christmas, and may Jesus this year be born afresh in you. Amen.
0: Thank mm-hmm. you.